Hey-o! And welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. Podcasts where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 95 of the podcast. And welcome back, everybody. Here we are in, what is it, week six. Yeah, week six. Um, So hopefully for you guys, the semester is, uh, in a sense, flying by in that um, you're keeping up, you're getting your shit taken care of, and also working on that goal, you know, working on the thing that um, you might, you know, might be the reason that you you join us every week. Perhaps not, um, but I am continually striving uh, to kind of improve myself from a mental health, uh, from a wellness standpoint. So if you are as well, I am happy to have you on this journey. Anyway, so welcome again. Uh, So what are we going to talk about today? Uh, So today I'm back at you with part two of our executive functioning series. So back in episode 91, we had uh, part one of the series, uh, the executive functioning strategies for college students. And we talked about a lot about planning, and that was a big mother of an episode. And so today, we're going to do part two of that series. So today, we're going to talk about attention. So if you have not listened to part one, I encourage you to go back about three episodes, I think. I've done uh, a bunch of interviews lately. But uh, I'm back at you this week and next week, at the very least, to do uh, more of this mini-series. So I hope you are enjoying and get something out of this. Let's get into it. Uh, Actually, before we do, I have two things I need to mention. So last week, I apologize, I did not get the podcast out on Friday, although I had it ready. (laughs) Uh, Actually, there was an issue with the server, so I was... uh, struggling uh, to get it uploaded. And so that didn't happen, I think, until Sunday. Uh, My bad. I hope that did not uh, impact anybody's ability to listen and download the episode once it was uploaded. Uh, My apologies about that. Uh, And number two, I just feel like I have to address this because uh, it's been uh, talked about, I know, a lot in the last week, uh, this school shooting, the most recent one. And uh, as you guys know, I typically don't comment on current events type of stuff. I certainly never comment on political stuff. Uh, I choose to keep politics out of this. And so I initially was not going to address this because, you know, in a sense, this kind of thing has been going on uh, for as long as the podcast has been running. So in one sense, from from a trend standpoint, um, this is really not new, right? Um, this gun violence in schools, I really think, began with Columbine, uh, Columbine, Colorado, or Littleton. And that was, I think, in 1999, I want to say, or 2000, right around there. I know I was just about to graduate college. So we are going on almost 20 years of this now. And... Uh, I actually do not listen to the news or follow the news. Um, I, I try not to. Um, and as a result, uh, I end up getting it anyway. Um, I don't imagine, I can't even imagine how much time people spend following the news who actually try and follow it. Um, so, my primary ways of getting the news 
are, uh, I have one single news source that I follow on Facebook, and that is Reuters. Um, and not for any particular reason, uh, I guess, because they're international. So, uh, you know, if, the, if I had to pick one news source that tr- didn't slant, you know, left or right, I don't know. They probably do anyway, uh, but you have to pick one, you know, or I, I chose to. Uh, you don't have to do anything. So I have one single news source I follow, and then I rely on, you know, my friends and, uh, you know, the people that I follow on Twitter, you know. Um, I, I use Facebook and Twitter. I don't really use any other social media. So that's essentially where I get, you know, my news from. And so I actually happen to be watching the news on TV, which is extremely rare when this uh, when this tragedy unfolded. I was sitting in a car dealership getting my oil changed, so I was sitting there sort of forced, uh, you know, and they interrupted whatever was, you know, on to, to bring this scene live. And, you know, I, I guess that's maybe why I'm choosing to speak about it now because I actually sort of watched it unfold or, or was forced to because I normally would never... Um, have, have stayed there and watched that. Uh, I just don't think it really work. It does anything for me uh, to invest much time in following the news. You know, is what I meant by that. So uh, I have kind of heard a lot of the aftermath, though. You know, um, the reawakened arguments for and against gun control. Um, the activism on the students that remain at Parkland and their, you know, heroic efforts to bring change about in this country. And I'm left just kind of mortified um, because I just don't feel like people are addressing the the root issues here, you know, and the fact that these, these people that choose to commit these acts of violence in, in my opinion, um, you know, they are in such pain emotionally by that point that they, they choose to do something like that, that it, it to me seems like a suicide mission, you know, like, um, I believe that, you know, this is, I don't want to say a cry for help, but, um, it's it's evident to me that not just these students, but you know the student body as a whole, over the last decade or two, has really t- the, their emotional well being has taken a severe turn for the worse, and this is a symptom of that. And so I want to focus on curing that problem, um, not the problem of the fact that America has too many guns, um, because I think that if you did get an an assault rifle ban or more stricter gun control, um, I I really don't think that would solve this problem. Um, Yeah, you would probably have less deaths overall, but are you going to be that much more satisfied if you got students running into schools with uh, handguns and only shooting and killing uh, three or four or five, six people instead of whatever this was, 16 or something this time? Is that going to be that much better? Um, or, or going in with uh, a shotgun and, you know, only blowing away two people? Uh, that doesn't, to me, seem that much better, you know. And, and 
as far as I'm, you know, following the news, I don't hear anyone really going the stream of, of banning all guns. You know, it seems like most people are focused on, you know, assault rifles and, you know, I know bump stocks have been featured in the news from the um, Las Vegas shooting. Um, I don't really think it'll solve the problem. And I probably go against a lot of my friends and you know, people I know in my life that are very um, emotionally charged up about this and really believe in this. But um, I, I see it as a mental health problem, and it's a big problem. And it's not going away. And I, I, I believe in my life I, I place a lot of um, you know, emphasis on doing what I can to influence, you know, within my, my circle of influence, you know, I I have concern about a lot of things, um, that I can't change and I can't impact. So I'm going to choose not to, what can I impact though? What can I influence? Um, I think that I'm in a unique position with this podcast to influence, um, positive mental health for college students. So that's what I'm doing. And if you're choosing to influence this because it matters to you by donating to a gun control cause, great. I, I'm, I respect that. I, I'm glad you're, you're doing something. Um, and if, if you believe that that contribution is going to lead to you know real influential change, then I totally support it. Um, but I definitely subscribe to this idea of like I, I – get myself involved in things where I can have an impact, um, where my, my circle of influence is strong. And, and right now with this podcast, it's, I'm able to reach people, whether they listen or not. Um, so I'm doing what I can to, you know, bring to light awareness about mental health issues, get them being talked about in the open, bringing students on to talk about where they've been, the shit that they've gone through, the fucked up things that they felt, and the fact that they got through it. And it may not be all roses now, but they're managing and they're aware of what's going on and they're they're in recovery. You know, every person that I've spoken to interviewed for this podcast, I can honestly say is in recovery in that they recognize and accept to some degree what this illness has brought to them. And have, in a sense, integrated into their, their, their selves and their identity. And they've found valued social roles that matter to them. That these people that commit these horrible tragedies don't seem to have. And so that's what I'm going to try and do. And I don't know. That's really all I have to say about it. Um, let's focus again on doing that, right? Improving our own mental health and well-being and wellness. And how do we do that? How are we going to do that today? We're going to try and do that through academic success. And um, I think a lot of these executive functioning strategies are transferable and generalizable in that even if uh, or if you are able to master one uh, for school success, there's a good chance it's going to help you in other areas of your life too, right? So this week, attention. Uh, I'm going to focus on two different types of ways that we pay attention first and then get into uh, some things for faculty and just some other thoughts I have. Uh, But I think of attention in two things. So a lot of of attention, you know, 
is diverted uh, in conversations. I see this a lot uh, with my son. And, you know, I hate myself about this, this like idea that, you know, he'll be trying to talk to me and I'll be on my phone, right? And it's, oh, it drives my, it drives me crazy about myself. It's something that I, I'm trying to get better on always. Because if I'm on my phone and he's trying to talk to me and I'm, you know, I'll be answering, but I won't really be, I'm not paying attention to him. And that makes me, me feel bad. Uh, so attentional, uh, I'm sorry, conversational attention is one thing we're going to focus on in the beginning. And then task attention, how to pay attention when completing a task is what we're going to focus on next. And that I think more relates to like school tasks, but I think the conversational attention is, is worth discussing first. Um, so there's two main strategies uh, that you want to work to improve on when you're trying to pay attention in conversations. And if you're sitting here and you're like trying to think like, am I somebody that struggles paying attention in conversations? Uh, you might be. Uh, think about this, right? Have you ever had trouble like recalling details from a conversation that you had at a later time, right? You're like, I know I talked to this person about this and, or somebody will bring up to you like, Hey, remember when we talked about this last time we saw each other? And you're like, no, I don't actually, (laughs) uh, you know, this is like, you know, so sometimes it's like a memory issue, right? Um, if you were drunk at the time, right, you may have a excuse. It's like, oh, my memory was impaired at that time. Uh, but in order to use our memories, which is going to be the next thing we focus on in part three, uh, verbal memory, uh, visual memory, uh, working memory. But in order to use your memory, you first have to put yourself in a position where you're paying attention to whatever it is you need to memorize. So that's why we have to talk about attention first before we can really get into mastering memory skills. Memory is going to get a lot into things like note-taking, whereas like I think you put a lot of the executive functioning skills together with a task like that. So when you're having a conversation, though, you want to be kind of rooted in that conversation. You want to feel like a part of it. Uh, you ever been uh, in a group group conversations can be tough, right? Where you're sort of on the outside and you're not really sure like how to kind of get in into the inner circle, you know, where you're actually participating in the conversation. So these things can help. Uh, So the one I already kind of focused on when I talked about my son was you have to get rid of the distractions, right? Uh, Your phone is is the big one, the one that I think everyone thinks about when they think about being distracted uh, in conversations. Or, you know, I see it, you know, in other kinds of thing, tasks too. But when we're focusing on conversations, um, you know, it stands to reason you're not going to be able to really pay attention to two things at once. Um, multitasking will be another thing we focus on a little bit later in the series. So get rid of those distractions. What does that mean? It doesn't mean throwing your fucking smartphone in the trash. Um, it means minimizing it, right? So what can that be? It could be putting it on silent or airplane mode or do not disturb. It could be leaving it at home. Ah, Oh my God, shocker. Like I actually do this. Like if I'm going out on an errand, like a quick errand, a lot of times I won't bring my phone. And like my son uh, questioned me about this recently. He's like, you don't have your phone with you? Like I was going to drop him at school. And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, 
And I was like, you know, there was a time like where we didn't have cell phones and we got along just fine. Like, you know, you think like, what if an emergency happens? Like I would figure my shit out <laughs> if an emergency happened. Like uh, I think I could take care of myself even without a smartphone these days. Uh, you know, so eliminate or minimize those distractions. The next thing would be is a way to remember and participate and be active in the conversation in an effort to remember it later uh, is to ask questions, right? So you might ask questions because you generally don't understand what somebody's saying, right? It's like, oh, wait, what'd you say? I didn't hear you or I didn't understand. Can you clarify? You know, most people are going to be like, yeah, sure, right? No problem. Uh, I want to be understood. Then, or maybe you understood, but you want to know more info. Like you're interested. So you start to ask questions. Like people are people like talking, you know, a lot people like talking about themselves um, or their interests or hobbies. So if you ask a question to elicit, you know, to show you're interested and want more info, most people are genuinely happy to oblige, right? So that's a good way to kind of, if you're on the outside, get to start yourself uh, getting on the inside of a conversation that's happening in a group. The best way, though, I think, to pay attention in conversations in an effort to remember it later is to use paraphrasing. Paraphrasing, we know, is like to kind of summarize back. So if somebody said something, and this would be more, I think, singular conversations work, you know, for this strategy, right? So like, uh, let's say you're having a conversation with your doctor, right? This is a situation where I worked in community mental health where it would be a problem, right? I'd be working with somebody. They'd go to the doctor one day. They'd come back. I'd say, hey, how'd it go? How'd the doctor visit go? Oh, it went well. All right, what'd you guys talk about? Because we had the responsibility to sort of document you know, if we didn't go with them. And they'd be like, uh, I don't know. I think that they said to continue with everything. <laughs> You're like, uh, are you sure? So, you know, I know that, you know, medication can impact this. Uh, different kinds of um, medical issues, psychiatric issues, uh, impair executive functioning skills. So it could be lots of legitimate reasons why somebody may not be able to pay attention to somebody in a conversation. So paraphrasing back can help, right? Doctor says, hey, you know, I noticed that you got this going on. Here are some things that I want to recommend to you. I want to recommend this, this, this. So some people might just be like, okay, and walk out the room. The chances of them remembering uh, are, are not as good as the person that, well, if you wrote it down, <laughs> that'd be the best, right? But if we're talking about having an, a conversation and paying attention, paraphrasing something back like, okay, let me make sure I got you there. Got you there. Uh, so you said I, I should be doing this, this, and this. And then the doctor has a chance to clarify if you got something off, you know, had something off or, or got it completely wrong. They'd be like, no, it's really, it's this. Or then reaffirm like, yeah, you got it right. And so the act of repeating it back serves several, has several benefits. One is you then, like I said, offered it up to the other person to make sure that you got it correctly. But you also sort of encoded that now by putting it in your own words. When you paraphrase, you're not 
mimicking or um, what's the word? Parroting we use in the counseling world. Uh, You're not saying exactly what the doctor said in their words. You're saying it in your words. And this is important in note-taking as well, uh, which we'll get to. But you'll remember that version of the conversation better than the exact words that the person you were talking to used. So that's the big reason why paraphrasing is super helpful. It certainly, like I said, doesn't replace uh, writing something down. And it would probably be good if it was important to write it down, even if you didn't at that moment, but as soon as you could. Right? You got home and wrote it down. Or you talk to your counselor, like you said, I used to do with people in recovery. So that's attention in conversations. Let's get into tasks now. So task attention is, you know, really important as well because this is like I think what most people think about when they think about success in school. Uh, I have a task, you know, I have to, you know, do these math problems. You know, very specific tasks. There's five problems. It's like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I have to do it. And so before you know it, you sit on your phone looking at social media. And you're like, wait, how the hell did I get here? I was supposed to be (laughs) working on my math problems. Um, Or the next thing you know, you're in the kitchen making a snack. (laughs) Uh, So what can you do? So one thing, we talked last week or the last first part of the series, and there's a lot of overlap here. So, you know, please understand. And I think the overlap is important because it really reinforces the most critical points um, is to take active breaks, right? So don't plan a task to go for an hour or two. Um, So when you take a break after, you know, say 20, 30 minutes, an active break, stress the word active, you give yourself a a time to sort of refresh and you come back with, you know, better attention for, you know, round two or whatever. Um, Active to me means, you know, actually getting up from where you were at, preferably doing something like walking around, you know, uh, get a drink of water, go to the bathroom. You know, I I take a lot of active breaks at home when I'm working from home. So I'll like um, fold the load of laundry or do a load of laundry or, you know, flip it. Um, or I'll, you know, uh, load the dishwasher or, you know, like I said, make a snack. You know, this is, I don't know, how long does that take? Five minutes? And then you come back and you're like, okay, I'm good to go for another 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, It's going to keep your attention level up and allow you to, you know, stay on task. So I might break it up they like, all right, I'm going to do two problems over the next 20 minutes and then take a break and then do the next two, right? Uh, so I, this idea of shorter, more frequent sessions uh, works for, you know, teachers as well, right? Um, yeah, we're all tempted to just assign the large project to be done and to demonstrate, you know, that the students really understand, you know, and master the content. But consider a number, a higher number or frequency of smaller projects to demonstrate competency. Um, from my standpoint, I think of, of smaller projects a little easier to grade. And you can have these smaller projects sort of build upon each other to have one larger project that they finish and complete and put together at the end. 
but it will help with the attention span and uh, you will see the better quality. So from the student perspective, you know, try and take the assignments that may not lend themselves that well to uh, being broken up and, and take the liberty yourself and break them up. Okay, so now let's focus a little on your environment. So I think your environment plays such a role in being able to pay attention. So for instance, you might be trying to complete work in front of the TV, right? I used to do this in high school. <laughs> I don't know how my parents let me do it. Uh, but I convinced them, I guess, that it was like, hey, I could just work and the TV is like background noise, right? And if it truly is background noise, then I think that that's okay. I don't know if I actually <laughs> believed what I said uh, or, or actually that was the case with me, but you know, people listen to music when they um, do work and can pay attention to, to the work and concentrate. I personally cannot, but I know that people can. So think of, consider your environment and know yourself as a person. Do you work better with a steady background noise or do you prefer quiet? I prefer quiet. So... I like to have, you know, unless it's some specific, certain specific tasks, I can have something on, right? Um, so if it's like a very automatic task, like data entry, you know, was something I used to do before I was a teacher. And that was something like, it's very mechanical and automatic, you know, entering data. So I could have something on in the background. Uh, but I can't have like a podcast on in the background because then I'll try and listen to the podcast and I, you know, we can't multitask. That's a little spoiler alert for a future episode. So consider your environment. This work, this is important with conversations too. Like I talked about minimizing distractions or eliminating them with uh, your phone. It might be your environment too. Like if there's a loud, if you're having a conversation in the middle of a loud hallway in your um, lecture hall, and you're really struggling because it's there's so much going on. It's like you might just say like, "Hey, do you mind if we move? You mind if we go outside and talk? It's just a little quieter out there." And again, most people are going to be like, "Okay, you know, that's cool." So when you're working, consider the noise level. Uh, people, some people really like to have a lot of activity around them, like and function well studying in a library or a coffee shop. Other people will get too distracted and cannot pay attention to the task at hand. So the next one relating to your environment is consider where you're sitting, how you're sitting, your desk, and all of the things that you need. So a little bit about paying attention is going into paying attention is preparing, right? So don't, like I said earlier, uh, find yourself in the kitchen making a snack when you should be working on the math problem, right? Before you sit down, be like, you know what, I'm going to bring my snack upstairs or I'm going to have something now and then eat and then um, work. Or you make it a point to be like, oh, on my next break, I'm going to take a snack. So where you sit, I think, totally matters. Like if you are super uncomfortable, um, it's not going to lend itself well to you working for a long period of time. I just said that and I'm like, actually really uncomfortable at the moment because I had this um, sore neck from sleeping, you know, in a funny position last night. So um, I know that it's going to be harder for me to, to complete my schoolwork uh, and work work, regular work 
today just because of that. It's like, ah, this is a little bit of annoying. Not terrible. Um, but I, I have taken a lot of uh, time to consider where I sit and make sure that my, my chair is comfortable, that I'm sitting in an ergonomic position. Uh, or if you prefer, you know, standing. Uh, standing desks are a big thing, and it's for this reason, or one of the reasons. Um, so consider all that. And as I mentioned last week with like your natural energy cycles when planning, you know, plan to, to do the hard stuff when you're at your, your peak performance levels kind of thing, um, be mindful of your circadian rhythm, um, that natural rhythm that you're in or your body wants you to be in day to day. And this is like, you know, you generally wake up at around the same time every day and generally go to sleep at the same time. And if you don't, oftentimes your circadian rhythm is off and it makes paying attention really difficult. My wife and I were just talking about this this morning because she's been, since she took this new job, she's been working some odd hours and like she's been going to, you know, working late at night and coming in the next morning, going in really early or, you know, she's had different days that she's had to work uh, instead of like a consistent Monday through Friday schedule. And as bad as her last job was in terms of like the number of hours she had to put into it with the commute and all because she commuted to New York City and uh, now she's no longer, um, she was consistently up at the same time every day and generally speaking home at the same time. Uh, And now she's, I'd say, probably working or spending less time commuting and working total um, but seems more tired overall because the hours are not consistent. So I think consistency really is key and I know that that's tough for college students because your your college classes are not consistent. It's not like you have class every day at 10 a.m. Uh, for, for your body, that would probably, and your wellness, that would be awesome. But you're going to be like, oh, if you're like me, when I was an undergrad, I had a class at 8 a.m. on a Friday. Oh, that was terrible, I remember. Uh, or 8 a.m. on, you know, another day and the next time, you know, it's like 4 p.m. and then you have another class at like 6 p.m., uh, or you'll stack classes, so you'll have classes back to back to back Monday and Wednesday, and then like nothing going on on Tuesday and Friday. So you know you sleep later and you go to bed later, and the other days you're getting up earlier. So um, if you don't have to be up, I understand. Like you're gonna want to sleep in, and I'm not telling you you know get up when you don't have to. But I, I heard this example or suggestion given the other day in a podcast I was listening to about this is like um, if you generally want to be in the habit of because your school or work dictates you get up at you know 8 a.m. and it's a Saturday morning and you were partying last night and it's like I'm not getting up at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Screw you, Derek. Um, okay, you know, maybe your alarm is set anyway because it's set for the other days and you just wake up, get up, you know, go to the bathroom, walk around, get a little glass of water and then go back to bed. Um, your circadian, your body kind of will recognize like, oh, you know, I'm still in this pattern. I still got up at that hour, uh, you know, and it will be easier, you know, come Monday to get up at 8 a.m. So uh, consider that. Do a little bit of research if you want to know more. I think it's uh, something to look into from a naturalistic standpoint. Um, and then just leverage your supports. So those supports could be you know, physical resources that you have. So if you have a tablet that you work on and you, you know, it really helps you 
with certain aspects of productivity, um, make use of that, right? My tablet is a big part of, of my grading um, and getting a, a big one, like one of those Apple iPad Pros. I got like the full-size one has been a godsend for me with my um, my elbow injuries and wrists because I use the pencil to make make my feedback or I, and I use I just I handwrite my feedback and then send it as a PDF to the students and it just saves so much time using a mouse and a laptop and, and sitting in front of a keyboard uh, it's wonderful for me you know and so that's a big resource for me that I it took a while you have to it's a lot of trial and error uh, when it comes to efficiency and working product productively because when you do those things you will be able to pay attention. You'll get the job done faster, the task done quicker, so you don't need to pay attention as long. So think about that. Uh, and then supports could also be like people in your life too. So if you know that you have a really important project that you're going to need to devote a lot of attention to, but you have distractions in your life, lean on people to help you. It's like, oh, can you you know, babysit for me? Or, you know, would you mind taking my dog for the day? Because I know my dog can be a distraction. Actually, I use her as a, a pleasant distraction. She's another thing that I'll do in those break periods, right? Play with her a little bit, chase her around for a longer break. I'll take her for a walk. So it's a big part of me for my wellness and my mental health. So I'm not saying get rid of your dog. What I'm saying is get rid of the distraction if you need to be free of the distraction, you know? Um, put the phone in your other room or, or give it to your supports and say like, hey, give this to me later on. Um, or, you know, if you're like uh, into accountability, like I am, you know, it's like, hey, you guys, do you want to um, study together and make the make the time, you know, set the time together? And that shouldn't be, you know, they're like, oh, we're quote unquote studying together and we're actually just bullshitting about the class, you know, because that. I could never study in a group uh, unless I did uh, what I tended to recommend to my students uh, that were doing the CogREM training, cognitive remediation when I was doing um, research as a cognitive specialist would be to, if you were doing group studying, hopefully you were trying to study the same thing, right? So it's like I'm in your class. That always doesn't always work out that way. But if it did, you you take the approach of like, I'm going to teach you the content, right? So it's like, oh, we're, we're you know, going back to math. Uh, we have a math test coming up, so we're going to go over these problems. So I'm going to t- teach you math now. And so let's go through this first problem. So, you know, how, show me how you go through it. No, And so you may totally understand and know how to do it, or you may not, but the act of trying to teach it to somebody um, really makes it concrete in your mind. So, uh, and then you take turns, right? Then the, the next problem, the other person tries to teach you. So that you, they get the benefit too. And that I think is the best way to approach group studying. So hopefully these suggestions help you. Uh, for teachers, I mentioned uh, increasing the number of smaller projects uh, or tasks that you have students do rather than focusing on these large projects that are worth like you know, 30, 40% of an entire grade. Um, uh, use multimedia well, use it well, I'm saying, like, don't just, like, throw up a lecture, a video of yourself lecturing for an hour, and call that a resource, you know, um, yeah, I guess it's better than nothing for, like, 
some students, but people are not going to be able to pay attention like that. Um, so maybe segment it um, or you know, only edit it and use the most important salient points when you're choosing to um, use video. Uh, don't give you know, 17 different links. Pick the five best ones because nobody's going to click on all 17. Okay, um, and then have a consistent way that you present your courses. So that could be in the classroom, right? Uh, every time when we get in and we do this and then we do this and then we take a break and after the break we always do this and right before the end of class we always do this. Like have a routine similarly with online classes, right? Uh, each week's lesson is posted around this time. This is the way that it's outlined. You can find this here, this here, this here. When people don't have that, when they're sort of wondering like what's coming next or if they have to look for something or wonder you know, about it, they're going to lose interest and they're going to, as such, you know, pay less attention. It's like, oh, I need to find this in this online class. Oh, I can't find it. Oh, oh look at this, this cat video, you know. Uh, that's the way it works. Uh, so if you can keep things easy to locate and keep people aware of what's coming next, you're going to really have a good um, impact on their ability to focus and pay attention. I think there's a big link between ability to access things, accessibility, and attention. So just be mindful of that, instructors and faculty out there, uh, and students. Like if you find yourself watching the CAD video, you now know why you're doing that. It's like, oh, I couldn't find this thing, you know. Uh, last thing I'll say for both faculty and students, if you're struggling to pay attention to things, it might be because you have these like invasive thoughts, right? You're trying to pay attention and read this chapter of chemistry. It's really hard, but you're really trying. And like in the middle of like trying to read a sentence, you're like, oh, I have to do this errand, right? Or, oh, I got to do laundry because I need a nice outfit for tomorrow, right? Um, if you have, if this is you, you need to write that shit down because when you write it down, it gets out of your memory because your brain trusts that you wrote it down and you'll get to it later. So you'll have less of those intrusive thoughts. And I know I've given my um, my hard drive analogy before, but I'll do it one more time because it's been a while. Um, so your brain is like a hard drive. Uh, and think about uh, your, your RAM, right? Your computer that has a lot of RAM runs really smoothly, right? It can run a lot of programs at once and doesn't really slow down or lag. Uh, a program, a computer that doesn't have much RAM, or let's say it has a decent amount of RAM, but it's got like 20 different programs open, right? It's got, you know, your web browser, and it's got, you know, uh, some statistical program open, and it's got a game, and it's got, you know, uh, Skype, and, you know, your your computer slows way down trying to do any one task, right? We've all been there. Um, maybe it's like your phone and then you check and it's like, oh, I got 32 apps open at the same time. Uh, your RAM is just not able to attend to all of those things at once. It's like your brain. Uh, your brain is like the RAM of your computer. So when you haven't written everything down, you, your brain is trying to keep all of those things sort of running at the same time. Like, oh, I got to keep you know my work life running by having that outfit ready. And I need to keep this other part of my life running by doing that errand. And you aren't able to attend to the one thing that you'd like to be. So 
writing it down is like closing out those programs, right? Oh, like writing down, got to run that errand. It's like X out that program. Uh, got to do the laundry. X out that program. And if you can write down as many things that you need to do and get them off of your your brain, you X all those, all those programs. And now you devote all of your brain power, all of your RAM to the one most critical task, you know, the reading of the chemistry text. So I'll leave you guys with that analogy. Um, and, you know, basically sort of wrap up for today. So hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, hope you guys continue to kill it with your goals. And uh, I hope these strategies will help you with improving your ability to kind of focus, pay attention. So next week, we'll be coming back doing part three of the series talking about uh, uh, memory. Like I said, long and short term memory, the difference between verbal and visual learning, and especially working memory. So hope you uh, come back and uh, otherwise have a great week. Take care, everybody. Peace.